This is a Saddleback Church podcast. There's an interesting trend that I've noticed. It seems that Christians today are more open to and looking for a practice of rhythms and self-reflection than maybe ever before. Society as a whole has become more accepting of self-reflection and inner work, but we've especially seen this become a common theme in the church. I'm talking about rhythms of spiritual practices like the prayer of examine and a renewed focus on your interior life. Now today, we're going to explore how this movement is being seen in the working life as well. My guest today is Jeff Hainan, founder of the Denver Institute of Faith and Work and author of the new book, Working from the Inside Out. Jeff and I talk about how he is seeing this desire for rhythm and inner work playing out in the workplace, why it's important to seek deep spiritual growth, how people change, and much more. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is a Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Jeff Hainan. Jeff Hainan, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. So I, I'm excited to, to talk about your new book, Working from the Inside Out. And I wanted to touch just first on the conversation in general around faith and work, because this conversation has existed for a long time. So I'm just curious from your perspective, what has changed in the conversation recently? Or where do you maybe see the conversation needs to start changing? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great question on the faith at work conversation. It's been going on at least since the Protestant Reformation, <laughs> uh, if not if not before. I, I assume you're referring to more kind of the recent conversations. Yeah. It really did pick up a lot in the 80s and the 90s. Actually, for Christianity Today, I, re- I reviewed a different book, not my book, but a gentleman by the name of Andrew Lynn wrote a book called Saving the Protestant Ethic, which I thought was very good. And it's just a good overview of the faith at work movement. And he talks about really the the pickup of the movement in the 80s and the 90s, and then kind of more of the popularization in the last 20 years. So it's certainly been there for a while, and it's had different flavors and different feelings in different contexts. And I'd be interested to know what your uh, hearers think when they first hear the words faith and work. Maybe then I could comment on, <laughs> uh, yeah, on where I think it's going. But what do you think most people hear when they hear faith and work? I think when I think the conversation as we probably hear it so much is how to bring your faith so how to carry over your Sunday into your Monday exactly yes. is is kind of what I think people think of it as at least that's where the is the conversation I've heard it most recently is is hey it's about the, the person that you are on Sunday with your character with you know you, you, the person you are in the pew how do you make that the person that you are in the office yeah yeah, yeah, very good. The Sunday to Monday, that is a, a favorite metaphor. Or, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or uh, kind of simile since the, uh, at least since the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, I mean, the conversation, I think, at least in a lot of the conversations I've been, is a lot about like how your work matters and why mm. your work is important as well as your church life or your volunteering life. And I think that's where the conversation has been. 
Um, wh- why I mentioned that previous book, I also think it's really focused heavily on professional or like CEO type jobs mm. or management jobs. And I think it misses a lot of workers sure. uh, in their day-to-day lived work experience, which is something I addressed a little bit in the book. Um, and there were some of the reformed traditions that I'm about. Oftentimes we talk about culture and how work can shape and form culture. Yeah, uh, We've had a lot of that uh, conversation. Yeah. And there's a few other strains, I would say, in the faith at work movement. You had asked previously where I think it is going or where it ought to go. I think those are a little different, actually, answers. Sure. Where I think it is going is probably more of the same. We are having uh, mostly a conversation with professionals about work mattering and, and then sort of how to have influence. Where I think it ought to go is really three things. Um, and one of them is directly connected to my book. One, I think we have to have a much broader conversation about whose work are we talking about? Mm. Uh, pink collar, blue collar laborers. Oftentimes this has been a very male focused conversation. So we're talking about the work of women in all sorts of different contexts. Uh, I think the, the question of uh, whose work is a very important one. Mm. I think a lot of the work, faith and work conversations have been happening in parachurch ministries. And I'm glad Saddleback is hosting this because I actually think they should first and foremost happen in local churches yeah, uh, because it's the primary context of discipleship. And then the last one is, you know, I think we've also talked about, hey, your work can make a big impact for the kingdom. Mm. Um, and that's that's not language I choose. I think we've talked a lot about work, like we've almost sort of baptized our notions of success and say, well, it's not only about professional success, but you can also have success for the kingdom. You can also yeah. make a big impact and a gospel impact. But the, the thesis of my book is really it's not first about our success or sort of any external markers, but work is first about who we're becoming. And as a Christian, it's about who Christ is making us into in the context of our daily lives. Mm. I think that's really important to name those three kind of lanes as we're talking about what faith and work um, means, especially in this context and where it, as you say, maybe ought to be going. And so I wanted to... I wanted to dive in now and say, because the faith community, I think, is aware of emphasizing eternal, sorry, internal health and pointing towards rhythms. I've been seeing that a lot it, coming up in the culture, especially the faith-based culture, is this idea of rhythms, this idea of getting back to a liturgy, this idea of f- focus on emotional health, which is all very positive. It's all good stuff. And I'm just curious, from a faith and work perspective, why you think that might be an important thing for this next season? Yeah, I th- I think it's an important move. It's not the entirety of faith and work, but I do think it's an important move because I think our interior world is the foundation for all the exterior things we do, whether those be our relationships or our work or how we're involved in our communities. And just practically as a foundation, I just really, particularly since COVID, but even before that, people experience a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty in their day-to-day lives. Um, and it became obvious with respect to work and being told to, to go here and there and all the just the challenges around work and COVID, which we were all a part of. Um, but I also think um, a lot of people practically are are not as engaged maybe as they could be, even Christians in their, in their work. Mm-hmm. So Oftentimes, what is a driving factor of how much you know we're enjoying our work um, is how healthy we are uh, on the inside. And I've seen people just do really hard, painful, sometimes even dehumanizing work, but experience God's joy mm-hmm. in the process. 
And I've seen people with like their dream job and be miserable as well. So to the to the point of like why faith and work and why this sort of interior health, like who we're becoming and what is God doing inside of us in the process of our working lives makes a huge difference for what we're doing in our work, why we're doing it, and the ultimate impact it has as well. So I, I for one, am excited to see more of the focus on our, what I call seek deep spiritual health, yeah. that interior world in the faith of work movement. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's important is, is, is that context. It, it, it's like we were talking about earlier, the idea of the Sunday to Monday of the weekend to workplace idea but it's it is important because as you say with seek deep spiritual health that's not just for your sunday personage it's it's not just so that on sunday you can feel more pious as you sit in the pew <laughs> it's so that it carries with you as who you are and it transforms what you do it, it transforms how you approach everything it transforms your relationships with people. It has that power to affect every area of your life, not just the spiritual area of your life, because really, as we're talking about integration, is you're talking about the whole of you, is that should be uh, covered in every area of you are. So as you think about the workplace, as you think about, as you said, it doesn't necessarily matter what your job exactly is, because who you are is the same no matter if you're up in the C-suite or no matter if you're working out on the streets uh, to help to pave the roads or you're working underground in the sewers, it doesn't matter. You are you no matter where you are are doing your place of work. So what you are bringing into that environment, that's up to you. And God's saying, I want to partner with you in that. I want to grow you. I want to help hone you. I want to, I want to make you more in the image of my son and it doesn't matter where you're doing your work from. That is the person that you are bringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a good point. And even you mentioned those working in the sewers and those paving the asphalt. Honestly, I think these are some of the most important jobs in America. Yeah, <laughs> I, what, a job. <laughs> it I'm wouldn't doing work right if we didn't have people doing that. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, I, one of the jobs I'm doing right now is working with a small chemical distribution company in the water and wastewater treatment mm. industry. And I sat down just for lunch the other day with guys that were. There are four men uh, that were working at our wastewater treatment plant. And, and if you've been to places without clean water, you know that this is the most important job in yeah. the United States. <laughs> so to your point, though, back on spiritual health. Yeah, I do think that foundation, that does need to be the foundation for the movement and not sort of a, your work is a place to make a big cultural impact. It may be. But I even in my own life, at, at what point have I made an impact or or not? It's either... Never, I'm never going to make a big impact. Or honestly, every day when we interact with somebody or we do the next task on our list or we just show up at work, we're making an impact. And I do think God can be present in the every day in the mundane uh, in just as much of a way as he is in some sort of a larger project. Well, and I love the idea, too, of it's okay that your work matters. It's okay to think that your work matters because it does. It, it, it not only matters to whatever sort of of client you are serving, but it also, it, it matters to God that you are faithful in the work. It, God made us to be a people who worked. At first, it was working the earth to naming the animals to, you know, all of the things that Adam, all of those charges that God gave to Adam and Eve, and those continue to work the land and to work for each other. So, work does matter, and it's okay to take pride in your work. It's okay to, uh, to, 
dedicate a part of your life to work. Now, work isn't more important than your relationship with God, but that shouldn't mean that you can't bring that into your work. It doesn't. It shouldn't mean that you have to keep things separate. It's okay to say, I'm a person who, who loves God and is working uh, towards knowing him better and becoming more and more like Jesus, and I'm a person who loves what I do for work, and I get to do this. And even if you don't love what you do for work, as we were just saying, is you can still take have the utmost joy in God, joy through your relationship with God in whatever you're doing, because that takes that 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 plays a big role in your heart, in your in your outpouring, in your character, and everything that we talked about. So I think there's I think I, I love that idea, and you do a great job of it of saying that yes, your work does matter. It's it's not the belief that nothing matters. We're only here because we're on the path to heaven. No, work does matter, and that's okay. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Work matters. And to your earlier point, even if we don't love what we do, we can love whom we do it for. Yeah. So I, I do think there's an important distinction there. And whom we do it with too, which is great. Amen. Amen. So I, I, in the book, you talk about these five guiding principles for working from the inside out. They are seek deep spiritual health, which we talked about, embrace relationships, create good work, think theologically, and serve others sacrificially. So which of these five do you think might be the most challenging for people if they're if they're taking your book and they're saying, yes, okay, I'm going to work through these five things as guiding principles, which might be the most challenging, do you think most people might say? Yeah, you know, it could be, it could be any of them, depending on the person. <laughs> I could share about my own experience, and my own experience has been this, the first is seek deep spiritual health. Um, yeah, t- I can tell a brief story. Sure. Years ago, I was coming home from work. I was working at a Christian school, uh, and it was great. But I really had this vision of uh, what an organization connecting the gospel to the world's industries might look like. And I was writing stuff furiously on people pieces of paper at night. And one day, I came home from work, and my wife um, reorganized our garage. And in the garage was a desk, and it was a pegboard and a computer and a heater because it got a little cold out there. And she just said, hey, Jeff, I believe in you. You can do this. Let's go do it. So I started my thing. I built my thing. And you know, for years, it was going really good. Uh, we built a board and had dollar donor dollars coming in and programs. People were coming, and everything was kind of up and to the right until I just noticed something in myself. I would say about five years in of a 10-year project. And I noticed that I'd come home just exhausted, mm. uh, like just completely exhausted from my work. And sometimes I would fall to bed, fall fall asleep uh, an hour or two before my wife. Um, sometimes I would just kind of explode at my kids. and I didn't know why. And I would apologize right afterwards. Saying, I'm not quite sure what came out there. Um, and then, you know, even in my work experiences, I, I found that sometimes when we had a big win, I would just be elated almost over the top, like over the moon, right? And when we had a big loss or a failure or something didn't go the way I wanted to, I would be just very sad, almost to the point of despair and depression. And I realized that there was there was my exterior world. There was things happening in my work, but there was a greater reality that I couldn't see, and that was my interior world. And so finding ways to be whole, even as I did something that, of course, I believed in, uh, but to actually be whole has been really the challenge of my my own life and my work. And as I talk to people, they just talk about 
when I talk to people about how they feel about their work, uh, oftentimes people do feel a sense of pride and dignity in their work. That is a very common sentiment that my work is valuable and I want people to see that. It's made in the image of a maker there. But oftentimes people have a lot of pain in their work too. Uh, does this, no, does this matter? Is this making an impact? Sometimes it's underappreciated or underseen by uh, a coworker or a boss. There is, sometimes it's being undercompensated as well. And people do experience a lot of pain in their work too. So when I think about work and seek deep spiritual health, that first one, um, I think our family and our work are the two primary contexts for our spiritual formation uh, and whether or not we become like Christ. And so I think those are the arenas really that we really have to focus on. And for me, that seeking deep spiritual health has been the root, not the only aspect of how I think faith plays out in work, but definitely the root. Yeah, I've been doing um, a lot of thought and work recently around the fruit of the Spirit, and I actually just reran a couple of weeks ago, I just reran an, an episode I did a year ago talking about the fruit of the Spirit, because mm. for, to me, it, it just keeps coming up, and it keeps coming up, I think, for a good reason. It, it, as, I, as I mentioned in that episode, it's, you know, like, it's like a verse and a half of the Bible, but there's so much power in it, because yeah. what it is saying is that when you are abiding in Christ, when you are attached to the vine, so if you're living that John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, life, then what you can expect to see out of that life is fruit. If you are attached to the vine, then fruit can grow. And this is what that fruit looks like. And the same can be true no matter what context of your life you are talking about. If your interior life is one of, abiding in Christ, then Mm. that outflow will look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And you will see those fruit lived out in your work life, in your family life, with your neighbors, with your extended family, at church, whatever, right? But if if you have not been watering your interior life, if you have not been focused on seek deep spiritual health, then you cannot expect to see those things lived out in your life. You may get that occasionally, but it doesn't come as naturally because it's not getting that, it's not that natural flow through the vine, through the branch. And so if you're at work and if you are really struggling with patience with your coworkers, or if you're having trouble uh, with, let's see, gentleness, faithfulness, joy, whatever, you know, if you find yourself in just this lackluster state, then as you were saying, one of those first questions to be asked is, well, how is your relationship with God? What is your seek deep spiritual health part of your life? How is that? How are you watering that? Because if you're not seeing fruit, then you got to go back to, well, how are you taking care of this plant? (laughs) Yeah, that's a that's a good word on the fruit of the spirit. And I wonder how many people, if you sat them down, even listeners today, would describe their work as, oh, for sure, it is love and joy and <laughs> peace and patience. Like I don't think most people would describe their day to day life like that. Yeah, uh, because our work is created good, but we are on this side of Eden for sure. There's thorns and thistles and pain in our work, yeah. and I think. One of those key things I read about this a little bit in the book that um, I think is really important on that journey um, is the journey of Mm self-awareness. 
it is really becoming more aware of why did I respond that way to a coworker, mm. right? Or why did I feel that uh, after I had either a big success or a big failure, right? I actually think some of those aspects of self-awareness of knowing yourself, it's both knowing God and knowing self is those two core core aspects of Christian wisdom that Calvin talks about. Mm. I think that's the journey. At least that was the journey for me that even as I was engaged in a project that I believed quite a bit in for, you know, actually I still do all the projects I'm involved in in my work today. Uh, I realized that I myself wasn't oftentimes a part of the solution, but I was oftentimes a part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, a good word for the body of Christ in a secular world. Are we a part of a solution? <laughs> Are we a part of the problem, right? <laughs> uh, and what's actually coming out of us, to your point, is it coming out, is fruit coming out of it is, or is something else coming out of us? Well, yeah, and I, I, I think what we have the tendency to do is we judge our workday. So if you're getting home, or say you're at the end of the day, you're in the office, you're starting to pack up and you start to ask yourself, was this a successful day? And you start to think through how much of the checklist that you got checked off, how many of the projects you made progress in, you know, you get home, your wife asks you or your husband uh, asks you if you're a woman in the workplace and asks you, how was your day? And, you know, and you start to talk about your successes or you talk about the failure or whatever it is. It's usually in the context of, the thing of the checklist of the accomplishment. But if you instead start, well, maybe not instead, but if you also included, hey, how was I with my coworkers today? And you start to kind of do a checklist of how did I respond to that? Or how how were my interactions? Or, hey, I felt mm. that I was a little, maybe uh, I was, if I think back on the day, I was complaining a lot internally about something that this person said or something, something. And you start to do that sort of internal checklist too of how my day was. It's not just about the progress, but it's also about how you were inside, how you were on your interior life. Then that may start to get you on that right track to everything that you, you were just talking about, which I think is cool. Yeah. And there are, there are several spiritual disciplines, for instance, the prayer of examine that yeah, are really exactly. focused on that. When did we experience the nearness of God or when did we sense his distance or maybe absence in the day? Yeah. And doing a little bit of that review of that, it really can help us not only either gripe about the wrong things or glory in mm-hmm. the good things, but like <laughs> where was God close? Because it could be he was close in suffering. Yeah. Uh, and something difficult. Right. Uh, and it could have been far when, you know, bragging on the last big accomplishment you had. So I do think that sort of with God life, as yeah. Sky talks about, Sky Jathani, I just think that that is a, a very important way of seeing our life and our work. And then from that, I think, grow the rest of the principles I talk about in the yeah. book of the way that we think and the patterns of thought we have about our company and our industry, the uh, how we embrace relationships and how we not only get along with coworkers, but how we deal with conflict and really difficult times, whether or not we invest in the culture of our workplace, or do we just do the mac- the minimal effort for the maximal reward, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like? Uh, and whether or not we engage some of the harder issues in our culture, whether we're trying to say, gosh, how do we care for the poor in our workplace or whatever it might be, are we doing so from a place of real interior wholeness and being okay? You know, one of the one of the images I liked um, that I had read about was a guy named Bernard of Clairvaux, who's a Cistercian. Mm. And he had this image of, are you more of a canal or a reservoir? Mm-hmm. I put this toward the end of the book. And he said, you know, a canal, both 
as soon as it receives water, it gives a water away. And I think actually a lot of us live our spiritual lives like that. We got sort of filled up on Sunday, right? <laughs> and, and then it's all gone uh, on the ride home <laughs> as, as the kids are yelling at each other in the minivan. Not that I know anything about <laughs> that. Right? But it's sort of all gone and we're veer depleted right away. We become canals. But Clairvaux says we should be more like reservoirs that were so filled with the life of God that it spills over the top. Mm. Right. And as it fills over the top to others that we're not depleted when we start to give out. And he says we shouldn't be more generous. God, we need to really wait God's filling before we give our gifts to the world. And I think particularly evangelicals, but we're so eager to to give our gifts to the world, right, to make a big impact, to do positive things, which I'm a card carrying evangelical in, in the <laughs> theological sense. I, I I'm very that is very much my camp. However, I don't know if we have enough sort of interior pause and wait so that when we're giving and when we're done with the day, we can still have energy. I just went through a whole season of my own work of not having anything left in the tank when I got home. Yeah. Um, and my wife actually went through a whole season as well between balancing her job and we actually homeschool our kids mm -hmm. of just being very depleted. And I think that abundant life that God promises, that's what I want because out of the abundant life flows the healing yeah, uh, the living waters for the world, uh, from big civic and public and economic and cultural issues, to how are we going to reconcile with a parent or, you know, with a coworker? It could be anything like that. So I do think that image reservoir, not canal, has at least been helpful to me. Well, and yeah, and I, I think that's what you were saying too about the feeling spent, feeling depleted, and it goes back to that idea of what we were talking about a few minutes ago about rhythms that is becoming so prominent. I think, I think this next generation is really interested in breaking from the go, go, go hustle of the previous generation and instead is growing up, you know, with the John Mark Comer influences, with that whole, you know, group that's around, hey, let's get back to these pause idea. This, you know... Getting away from hurry and building in these pauses into your life, and I—that's—it's—it's—it's a—I'm really interested in seeing that continue to flourish, and that's it. And it speaks to where we are now because we feel so spent, and so it's, it's this embracing of okay, a, a culture that is that is encouraging pause and breaks, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm encouraged by that too. I have a friend, her name is Tracy Matthews. She mm. leads a ministry called Attune. Mm. Um, and she's half business consultant, half spiritual director. She's, she's an amazing human being. <laughs> and she just does some of those pauses, just as you said. She'll take, even before every meeting, she does just a five-minute pause yeah. to attune herself. Spirit, um, what are you saying to me? And then what might you be saying in this conversation we have? And mm. she just waits to see if anything comes. And if nothing comes, it's okay too. Yeah. Um, but she's doing that work really well. And I think, gosh, even the Old Testament book of Kings, it was the righteous Kings that inquired of the Lord <laughs> before yeah. they acted. And who of us do that as sort of a regular habit and way of being? I think that's uh, a real challenge, at least for me. And I tend to want to get it all done and, you know, accomplish everything on my task list in a certain amount of time. And, you know, maybe it is the Lord's will for me to do that every single day. Or sometimes <laughs> maybe I just need to let myself be distracted by somebody that comes up to me and wants to talk about something. Maybe that was the Lord's will for the day. Yeah. Mm. Now, jumping back in, into your book, you spend time talking about change in the book. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 
What have you learned about change and, and how do you see change and integration working together? Yeah, so the integration aspect of the book is these principles we've been talking about. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to pause and reflect on, at least in the in the book, was yeah. so then how do we change? Do we do we change from listening to a podcast? Do we change yeah. from reading a book? How do we actually become like Christ? Because I've just have, you know, I've led a Christian organization, I've done seminary, I've read the Bible, I, I've done all the things, but I've been through several seasons of my life where I just think I'm not. Not only I'm not changing, I think I'm getting worse. <laughs> I think I'm falling apart here, and it's been discouraging. And I actually think, I tend to think that when people see the church, particularly those that are not believers, and they see the way Christians act, that's the major apologetic against, uh, un, unapologetic, I should yeah. say, against Christians is that we're not we're not any different. So, I wrote a chapter about change, and I have a few different sort of stages, you could say. Mm. And I'll just get into the first one maybe here. But the first is I think we need to, most people change when they suffer. Yeah. Some sort of difficulty or pain point. And I think that most people tend to look away from that. And they do that through usually finding some sort of comfort Mm -hmm. to not want to look at what's difficult and what's painful. Uh, Sometimes it leads to addiction or it could just be American consumerism, could be a lot of things. But I actually think instead of turning away from it, we have to look through to our suffering uh, and the difficulties we're experiencing in life, that that's where God meets us. He meets us at the cross. That's where it begins. The transformation actually begins at the cross. So I talk first, let's take a look at our pain, our suffering, and do so in the context of a high commitment community that's emotionally and relationally vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, and the high commitment community, I think a lot of us have community, or we say the word community a lot, <laughs> but, but how many people really know us? Yeah. And I think one of those core desires is for us to know others and to be known. Um, and so how many are very high commitment that no matter what you say in the next half hour, I'm still going to be here for you, yeah. right? So that could actually be deciding to be open and vulnerable. It could be in a marriage relationship. It could be a small group. It could be a bunch of friends, mm-hmm. uh, particularly for men in America, Friendship has been really dinged significantly in the last generation. We have to really invest in friendship. But I do think that high commitment community where you're willing to be emotionally, relationally vulnerable, not just say the right thing that makes us look good. Yeah. Right. But say the the tough thing of that where you're really at at that point. So I think that's sort of the the foundation. And then from there, I think we need to do a couple of things. We need to take a look at the stories that really shape us and then the habits and practices that come out of the stories. So, uh, for instance, James K. Smith, he's talked a little bit about this idea of these habits or liturgies, and they're focused on some sort of love. And actually, I think for our loves, it's mostly the stories that we uh, find ourselves in. So it could be like a story in a movie, but oftentimes it's a story of who am I as a child growing up in this neighborhood in Orange County, mm-hmm. and how does that kind of play itself out in today? So I think analyzing and understanding our stories and some of the habits and the practices that come out of the stories are really important. And again, doing so in a context of emotional, relational vulnerability and looking at what's difficult and not only about the successes in our life. Mm, yeah, I, I think all of those things are great. That first point, as we're talking about change, often comes through through suffering. I just wanted to mention for our listeners is we've done... Um, a couple episodes around this idea of the wall, which is if you are in a spiritual mm-hmm. cycle, if um, walking through stage theory, if you will, oftentimes what we do is that we approach the wall and it is at that point that we can either get knocked back and say we don't want to deal with the suffering, is, is with the hurt, with the emotional uh, um, 
a thought life that comes from the wall. And so we go back to then the beginning of the stage theory and walk through, or we just embrace it and we just dive head first into figuring out our own stuff, whether um, it's through childhood trauma or whether it's through whatever it is, you deal with it and then you can maybe plow your way through the wall to get to the other side of stage theory. So I'll put, um, I'll yeah. post the links to that in the show notes as well. But that's so important because that uh, it's a common thing in the workplace too. Oftentimes you might feel that you are just hitting this wall. It, 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 maybe you got laid off or, or let go, or maybe you were told there is no advancement plan for you, or maybe you just feel like you've been in the same job rut for so long and, and you just don't see the other side of it. And so, and, 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 and these could all be those catalysts, if you will, to bring you back to God and to just say, okay, I understand that, that is, that's really hard. I'm here for you. And that's where that idea of those relationships comes into play. Who do you have to talk with about this stuff? Who, who, who can pour into you, be encouragement for you to point you back onto the right path to be there for you in your hardest seasons, but knowing true that it's driving you back to God who wants to be there as comforter, who wants to be there to, to help to embrace you and, and for you to just soak that in and know what that means that you are loved no matter what is going on in your work life. You are loved by the King, by your father, by your friend, however you want to call God at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the, yeah, that the, the theory kind of the hitting the wall is an important one. Uh, for a few different reasons. One, I, gosh, I, I think a lot of us get there, but we don't maybe know we're there. We just get yeah. stuck in stuck patterns for a long time. Yeah. And I think you have to pause long enough to think, am I in a stuck pattern? Does my spirituality look the same? Does my work look the same? Are my relationships improving? Are they not? Right. I think we actually have to, one of the lang- the words that's been helpful to me is be curious rather than judgmental. Yeah. So just think, why why am I doing that? Why am I saying that? Why am I feeling that, right? How do I interact in this context and really be curious about yourself? Oftentimes, when you get to a stuck place, we can be, depending maybe on your Enneagram number, but we can be very <laughs> judgmental of ourselves. And when we do that, usually we can get in kind of cycles of shame. And then uh, oftentimes we'll sort of try to emerge saying, okay, I'm going to really fix it this time and get my act together again. And it turns out that doesn't work very well. <laughs> but I actually think noticing what's there, I talk about this a little bit of book, just be curious and notice what's there and what's what you're, what's coming to the surface of why you think you may be doing certain things or what you might be feeling and simply holding those before the Father and say, mm-hmm. come do your work in me and just kind of keep it, keep it there for, for a while. And I think those are the rhythms and habits. They just lead to more joy, uh, more happiness, as well as a little bit more contentment that I see myself and I see all the things that are wrong with me, but I also now see one that God loves and I, and I'm okay. I have what I need now. I'm actually okay. I would add to that too, in that idea of that friend community or small group or whatever it is that close, a tight knit committed was the word you use a community. Don't be yeah, like always be aware of what other people are sharing is going on in their lives. Don't be so self-focused that you're not hearing what other people are, are, are dealing with. Yeah. So yeah. as an example, in talking back to about this idea of the wall, um, I was talking with a friend the other day who, who was sharing stuff that was going on in his life and how he was feeling just kind of not growing, just feel kind of stuck, feel e- emotionally stuck in different places. And, I just laid out the idea of the wall 
And, and he just said, that sounds a lot like where I'm at. <laughs> and so, and again, it's not approaching it from a place of judgment. You never want to jump to a place of, well, you sound like this, 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 this. But it's that, hey, I, you know, I know about this thing, uh, just, just throwing it out there. And they say, that sounds a lot like me. <laughs> yeah. No, I love you paying attention to your friend. I think there's a real connection there. Are you curious and paying attention to how you interact and how you respond in a day? And are you really paying attention to others? Yeah. What they what they said and what they're feeling. And your friend that you said just hit the wall. Yeah. I think those are closely related. Oh, and yeah. Your ability to pay attention to some someone else rather than be uh, absent or distracted in that moment. And I think that paying attention it reminds me of a biblical world word. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, in Hebrew it's hine, but we just say in English behold. Yeah. Uh, and God calls us to first behold Him mm. and just pay attention. And I do actually think beholding God in creation, not only I'm from Colorado, so not yeah. only through a nice hike, but through our interactions with others, through what happened in my day, that sort of beholding, I think, makes us, to my friend Tracy's point, it can attune us to the Spirit of God who is always with us. He is not far. He is not far, but how often of us are aware of His presence Yeah. in a moment-to-moment -moment basis, you know? Uh, so I do think that that paying attention to others, I think it's also a real critical aspect in a distracted age with cell phones and all the <laughs> stuff that we get buzzing at us. That yeah. real attention to others, I think it says love to them really quickly, yeah. whether it's a coworker or a child or a parent, and you're just paying attention to what's important to that person. I think immediately people will feel love if they feel that attention. So I love that you brought that up of not only being aware of ourselves, but aware of others as well. Yes. So for people who are listening to you and are, are very, I, I have no doubt that they're going to go out and buy the book and be very interested in, in embracing everything that we've been talking about today. What are some initial steps that people can start taking to work from the inside out, right? To start that process of reintegration and change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so on the change side, I do think just practically speaking, finding a high commitment community that you can be open and vulnerable with and you can share some of your junk with. If you don't have it, you just go find it. Yeah. Go and it's friendships are like anything. You just gotta invest in them over time and they can grow deeper. Like I don't have anybody or I couldn't share this with anybody. You know, work at it. <laughs> just say, <laughs> go find some. And if you're too busy for it, then get less busy. It's just so important and so important. I'll say that as well. Mm. Um, and I do think the context for not only taking a look at the exterior parts, you know, whether like this is, I'm in a kid, I, I got four daughters. And so I'm in the kid <laughs> driving mode of parenting right now, uh, going to a lot of soccer games and basketball <laughs> and volleyball. But sometimes we can stay on the surface, right? Whether the games or the kids or the school or for me, the work stuff, like where are the opportunities to say, hey, this is really what's going on in my life. And you can invite others into that as well. So yeah. I would say find, first find that context is really important. And the second, on the working from the inside out, I think it's a regular rhythm that we do. To your point, a lot of people want this, but yeah. it is a regular rhythm that we could practice in the workplace, in our families of, am I seeking deep spiritual health, right? How am I thinking about my work or the company that I'm for right now? I do think some of these interior rhythms are really important, and we can then take it. One of the things we haven't talked very much about in this uh, podcast is yeah. some of these other rhythms of how to then it influence my interactions with others, and yeah. how do I love others, and then... How does this influence what work I do and why I do it, uh, as well as how do I uh, find ways to love my neighbor as myself? 
where I'm at, and I actually, that's one of the contexts I think that there's oftentimes oppor- there's opportunities to care for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, right in our own context, right in our own neighborhoods, yeah. right in our own workplaces or around as well. So I think that the, the point of that is maybe there isn't another big thing that listeners need to do other than go find that community, but it's to be aware of how is God working in me and then through me in the world in the moment by moment and when do I sense his nudging. Uh, in a particular direction. And that's that's habits, that's rhythms. They take time. I'm definitely in progress. There's a lot that I haven't figured out and there's a lot of areas that I fall short on. But I do think we can start with some of those small rhythms of working from the inside out just to seek seek more healing for ourselves and for our world. Well, the book is Working from the Inside Out. It's available soon, but you can pre-order it now. So I'll have the links to everything in the show notes. And then stay tuned to listen to the outro. I'll point you to some links and resources from Saddleback that talk about how to find um, a community for you, um, how to uh, go and learn more about friendship, which is actually a series that we just did at Saddleback. So um, I'll talk about that in the intro. So, So stay tuned for that. But for now, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jason. Now, let's look at some next steps out of today's episode. I'm including a lot of resources in the show notes today. There is a link to the Rediscovering the Lost Art of Friendship podcast special series that Saddleback recently released. There's a link to a new resource from Saddleback called the Refresh Retreat. There's a special episode of The Well podcast on the prayer of examine and the doable episode uh, on the fruit of the spirit. So you can find all of those links in the show notes. Also, I encourage you to pre-order Jeff's book. It doesn't come out until December 12th, I believe, um, but the link to pre-order it is available in the show notes as well. And again, that book is called Working from the Inside Out. Lastly, I want to encourage you to think about what rhythms can you start adopting? Jeff mentioned finding a community. So what rhythm can you build with that community? What can your morning look like or your noontime or your evening? Think about what rhythms you can start introducing into your life. I want to thank my guest today, Jeff Hainan, and this has been a Doable Discipleship Saddleback Church podcast. We'll be back with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.